Did you really drag me in here to listen to another one of your podcasts? Dude, you're embarrassing me in front of the wizards. Want a juice box and some string cheese? <laughs> Do you really have that? Fourth wall break inside a fourth wall break. That's like 16 walls. Flawless victory. Mother? What's wrong with me? Darling, I don't have to answer to you. I'm Batman. Why'd you open your bonghole, you smelly hippie? It's clobbering time. This is the men who look bad in spandex? That's disgusting. Are you seriously calling it that? Hey, folks, it's Rhode Island's own Peter Griffin here. And uh, you're listening to men who look bad in spandex. <laughs> and don't forget, when you poop in your dreams, you poop for real. What is up, Max? Hey, yo, my podcast brother. <laughs> how you doing, man? I'm good. Steve, how are you? I'm doing fine. Awesome, man. Miss, miss that voice. <laughs> well, you know, for some it's grating, for others it's not. <laughs> I mean, it's the truth in the world. You can't like everything all the time, Bob. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Kool-Aid flavors and life are a lot like that. I mean, that's true. That is, that is, that is definitely true. You got a go-to? I don't, I don't know. You know, the red, red, red Kool-Aid always works pretty good, but yeah, you're right. Not every flavor for everybody. Fruit punch? Like fruit punch, you're talking? Yeah, fruit punch, yeah, right. classic. My orange? You got, you're an orange guy? Oh, man, I don't know if I've it's, it's been a long time since I've had a regular Kool-Aid. Yeah. I mean, for a while, there was a batch of the sugar-free mixed weird berry ones, and I like those just fine. Uh-huh. But, uh... As far as like a description of what actual orange Kool-Aid tastes like, I mean, I guess I remember the orange flavor in my mind, but I don't really drink anything like that in kind of a while. In the world of fake flavors, I think orange is the most accurate. I feel like you get orange wherever you go, whether you're drinking Fanta, orange Kool-Aid, or having like an orange slice candy, one of the gummy ones, you're going to get that orange flavor. It's so sure. so strange, though, how much it fluctuates with different colors. I suppose blue is kind of in a class by itself because most artificial things that are blue as far as things we consume have that flavor that I would just describe as blue, not as any berry or any sort of vegetable or any sort of pleasant thing whatsoever. But I would just say, you know, blue Gatorade, it tastes like blue. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Does it got its own, uh, its own presence altogether. Yeah, man. That's probably all of those incredibly, uh, Terrible uh, dyes they have in their voice. Oh, man, most likely. <laughs> well, very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's the Men Who Look Bad in Spandex podcast. We do two things around here, Max and Steve. We talk comics and we vouch for the rest of the world that a comically large spoonful is still technically considered one spoonful. <laughs> I mean, as long as the tater tots are connected, they're all one tater tot. Damn straight, man. One nacho. That is one nacho. Hey, speaking of good food, how was how was last week for you, brother? Oh, it was, it was fine. You know, nothing terribly crazy. You know, ate with the family, did Thanksgiving. You know. Yeah. Good. Good. Great. Did Did you cook your specialty? The The chitherky? The 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 turkey? The, the, the oh, Of course. Kutherky. Yeah. Admiral Admiral Akbar's favorite. Yeah, man. The kutherky. Oh. Or uh, Admiral Snack Bar, like I like to call him. I do. Stuff. I do love that little tradition of yours, my friend. In case uh, <laughs> you don't know, he sends this uh, hand-drawn picture. He drew it. It's great. Find more at Top 5 Comics CBS on Instagram if you need it. Uh, yeah, this uh, picture of Admiral Akbar serving up what appears to be an octopus for Thanksgiving. And that's uh, it's always gets me, man. Just a little just a little tear rolls down my cheek. And I'm like, that's Steve. He's a rascal. Well, it's pretty, it's, I think it's hilarious. I mean, it's a, it's a kathurki. Is what he's making, and it, I mean, if you need to see something you can never unsee, 
uh, Google Kasurki. It's Kasulu Turkey. So we go like a turducken, except instead of being a duck inside a turkey, well, I mean, it's tentacles, so Kasulu. Um, I'm an octopus fan. I'm an octopus fan. I've eaten it before. Usually it's breaded and deep fried, but, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that will sacrifice class and dignity to jump ahead of a trend, and I'm I'm not one of those people. (laughs) But kudos to everybody else. (laughs) Right. No, no. Yeah, the guys are saying the real question is where does he get it on a starship? I, mean, I know where he gets it, and I think it's hilarious. But that's one something that's got to come in a comic strip at some point. So better left a, a mystery to the chef, right? Oh man, if you start a web comic, I better be one of the first people <laughs> that know. That's all oh, I'm saying. Man. That's all I'm saying. If you do that, I, that'd be the first one. That's not a bad one to start with. Um, I, you know, it'd, it'd be pretty fun. There's a whole story that plays out in my head, which is. You've yeah, not the best thing in the world, but you know. <laughs> a little peek behind the curtain, big man? Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, you know, usually I'm drawing them up while I'm watching the parade, and, uh, you know, as, as a thing, <laughs> there's a whole other story going on inside there. The yeah, yeah, the main, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do anything and watch the Macy's Day Parade at the same time. Like, if you're going to microdose and watch the Macy's Day Parade at the same time, you're not going to have probably a great time because that's going to be a lot of new experiences, I think, for you, depending on your you know, your experience when it comes to all of those things. But you don't have to do that to enjoy this podcast. All you have to do really is go to either 931magic.com or uh, SoundCloud or Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Just subscribe, download, do your thing. Follow, uh, hit up your uh, fellow comic lover, top five comics, uh, Steve there. He's a corner of uh, First and Orchard, Hillcrest Shopping Center, getting you what you need. Any Christmas comic ideas, all that good stuff, my man. Yeah, that's fantastic. Glad you had a good time. Um, I Now that I think about it, I do wonder what the commissary looks like like in, in those uh, places, like the Death Star commissary. Eddie, Eddie Izzard does an absolutely, just absolutely hilarious comic riff on it if you ever get a chance. About uh, Darth Vader ordering the penne alle uh, aragabada or whatever it is. It's very good if you've ever seen that. But I always <laughs> wondered, right? Like, no one ever sees the commissary on, you know, the, the rebel ships. No one ever catches, you know. The only I think the only thing I ever saw uh, Star Wars people eating is either in, in two, two spots in New Hope when uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru chide Luke for dreaming of, you know, bigger things. And then wasn't... Wasn't when I'm not sure. It might have been a you know a war meeting or something when he was talking about you know skis and womp rats back at uh, was it Bangs Canyon? <laughs> Bangs Canyon. I'm not sure. Right, whichever one. Oh man, that's a, that's a real Star Wars uh, trivia. Uh, man, he's a he's a T16 to take out womp rats in. Oh gosh, there it is. is it Beggars Canyon. Beggars, Beggars Canyon. Canyon? Ooh, man, that's a pronunciation kind of thing. You 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 just killed that, Steve. That was nice. Very good, (laughs) sir. Like I said, I can't think of any other times there was eating in Star Wars. Uh, Other than, uh, I mean, in in Empire, I mean, Luke's having his campout meal with Yoda. Oh, yeah. And he steals his sausages. He steals his sausages. Oh, yeah. Those were, like... Space breakfast sausage? I always always wondered. Oh, man. My favorite, I think, all-time food from the movies is the Matrix, the gruel they serve. Good times. Good times. <laughs> man, gruel. Gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we were about to get a whole banquet in, Imp- in The Return of Jedi, but yeah. that's because Ewoks eat meat, and, well, Max, we're meat. 
<laughs> you, no. You're the main course. Mm. <laughs> exactly how it goes. Oh, man. That's a, a little fun play at cannibalism with George Lucas. Hey, it's cute if it's a teddy bear, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, what? you can't say they're entirely wrong, but at the same time... Oh, and if it talks, I don't know if it's the right answer to eat it that way. Well, you know, there's but, a there's a lot of moments, right? Yeah, there's a lot of moments in the in the Star Wars. Not only right, if it talks, but do we eat it? I mean, it's it's a good question, well, I, mean, I think, to have. Yeah, but then as big as the question, like, well, aren't they talking? I mean, aren't the animals talking? I don't know. That's a whole different kind of thing to worry about. But, Just because you can't understand it doesn't mean that you should eat it, probably. But you know. Like, Star Wars, though, has these moments where it could just go, if it took just one degree of a turn to the left or right, go in incredibly dark places, like the Luke Leia thing. It's like, what what are we doing here, George? George? <laughs> yeah, and that's always uh, it's always much represented, I think, in social media, if you ever want to dabble in there, my friend. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's always always a good time, dude. Always a damn good time. Hey, did you see the Marvels? I did. What did you think? I did. You know, the movie is fun. It's as far as stories are concerned, the story is not horrible, but it's another one that like it's built up a different way in the trailers, and it's not that there's not crazy things in it because there are, but there's not like crazy reshaping everything you think type things. I mean, one well, that's not totally true. There are two things, right? The end credit catches imply things that the problem is that a lot of us already thought that was happening. So like the first credit catch is something that I feel like I've talked to even you, you, you and me have talked about it on a podcast. I've talked about it on other podcasts. I've talked about it in the store a million times. Yeah. And in the end, the end, end thing is something that I thought a bunch of us were just like, well, that's probably what's going to happen. And so here it is. And I'm like, cool. Well, that's what I expected. You have been harping that young. You've you've been harping that young Avengers thing for a long time, my man. Oh yeah, no, exactly. So like, it's it's pieces that are interesting, and it's you know if you're not a comic book person at all, then they're interesting. Like, well, what is that supposed to be? But they're not like crazy dun 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 kind of moments. Whereas like, whenever we revealed the Tesseract for the first time or the Cosmic Cube, because that's what it really is, it was like an oh crap kind of moment. And the same thing with Thanos' face three freaking times. They're like, oh, no, what's this? And so, like, when it comes to bad guys, and people, and I know people have said that, her, that the bad guy in the movie is a little short. Not short. A little, uh, I guess, weak would be the, the right. Weak's not right either. A uh, little uh, lackluster, that's what I want, lackluster. Mm-hmm. Because she's strong, and, and she does have a second tier to her, but she's lackluster. The problem is that you got to compare her to... Villains from, like, I don't know, Iron Man 1, Obadiah Strain. How good a bad guy is he? By himself, he's not, but it's the first movie to launch the MCU universe, so it's good enough. The next thing to compare her to would be, like, comparing her to, uh, I don't know, Whiplash. I mean, Mickey Rourke, I think, is great, but he's also a one-and-done villain. So, you know, you can't compare her to Thanos. You can't compare her to... Even the Ultron, you can't compare it to because it's just a bigger threat level. So when it comes to bad guys, like, you got to figure out where you can pace her at because too much is too much. I mean, there is one scene in that movie that I'm just like, this is only happening because it's ridiculous. <laughs> but there, I mean, it's the whole Bollywood thing, man. Like, it, 
yeah, that, that, there's there's a whole sequence that is just definitely a Bollywood sequence. <laughs> and like I, I do mean I love the Flirtons, so I think that's great. I think that's hilarious. But the movie is it's evenly split up between the three girls. Yeah, I mean that's good. Yeah, don't don't the, the only issue really is that when it comes to Monica or Carol, their supporting cast is so small. I mean Carol has the cat and Nick Fury. That's it. Yeah. Everything else is either bad guys who's trying to kill or someone that's dead. Yeah. I guess you could say Monica is one of hers, too. So I guess count Monica in that box. Yeah, Monica's... Being part of her. Hers is even smaller, though. Yeah, Monica's exactly. is even smaller. Her cast is freaking Carol, which is part of the same equation, and then Nick Fury, and that's it. Like, oh, she knew Wanda. No. She fought against Wanda, tried to convince Wanda to stop, and then Wanda went and got dead. So, I mean, I guess you could say that... Oh, gosh. Uh, what's her name? Uh... Not Phoebe, because that's the wrong name. Uh, Darcy. You say yeah. Darcy, I guess, but I think her and Darcy only have talked like two or three times, and it was like across the dimensional guide between her being in the fake world and Darcy watching it on TV. So they're not really connected, not really. So, I mean, it's like the movie tried to give her a couple of supporting cast members. We got the guy with the really big beard that's 500 years old, and then the girl that was hanging out with him, that I don't think he even had names. Pretty sure they don't have names, unless it's in the credits. And if it's in the credits, well, I didn't, I didn't notice it because I wasn't looking for that until just now when I was talking for you and trying to remember if they said them. I know they don't say them in the movie. I don't think they do. But they're, they're, no, not at all. I don't remember it. So, like, we have those two, but they're from this movie, and they're like her work buddies. Okay? <laughs> so when it comes to Kamala, though, Kamala's got mom and dad and boyfriend and not-boyfriend character and brother and... I'll give you, I do guess the boyfriend character, other than his picture on the wall, is not actually in the movie. But her supporting cast already comes with four other bodies that travel in the circle with her, so it makes it feel Kamala Khan heavy. But that's not really the truth. And then, then after that, like, the movie's fun. It is. And as far as that, I mean, it's it's got interesting reveals, it does. But... It's like there's a better movie that they didn't make because we see flashbacks of things that happened that were just told happened, and they almost seem like a more interesting movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if we need Carol fighting the Kree or not. I mean, it seems to be what most of the like from Captain Marvel. So yeah. when she goes yeah. after the Supreme Intelligence, I'm not necessarily sure if that could fuel a whole movie by itself. But it would have been nice. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'd be nice. So you yeah. could dig out Young Rog. Have him come fight again. Yeah. Take up a couple more Krees to throw at her. Sure. You know, I'm sure you can find another space thing for her to fight. Well, I'm. Krees that There's big. There's a lot of things that live in space. Yeah, well, the Krees is big enough, certainly, to be a faceless person, um, like a faceless enemy, but at the same time, have a lot of character through, like, what you're talking about. I mean, why not make it the Supreme Intelligence instead of, you know, Annette Benning, you know, God bless her, amazing actress. Um, you know, uh, a giant space blobby head in a, in a tube. Uh, I would like that too. And you're you're right. I think a lot of MCU movies have that that kind of crutch of what you're saying about the movie we should have saw or the movie we saw in flashbacks. Because yeah, the MCU does tell stories like that because they want us to connect those dots on our own, and then of course fuel the narrative with whatever their plan is. And it's also kind of indicative of a, a lot of things uh, film editors go through because <clears throat> they got to choose. 
what goes on film. They've got to put it together. They've got to cut it. And then, of course, they're the ones who are the final arbiters of the runtime. And if there's a mandate down from somewhere, you got to really hit that. Or if, you know, you're Zack Snyder and have a bunch of psychos online telling you that a four-hour movie is something you could sit through. And I mean... it's been a yeah. It's been a bit of a thing, uh, I think, for the last few. But you know, as, as MCU fatigue kind of happens, I think that's what leads me to next, man. The MCU fatigue is has it killed officially the Kang storyline? I know there's been rumblings, and you know, Jonathan Majors whatnot. But do you think the final final dinal might be because we had talked last time in this about what was going to happen numbers wise with the Marvels and now that we know that it's one of the worst if not the worst in the MCU as far as money goes does that kill in your opinion multiversal ideas and the Kang Dynasty they've put a lot into it but Jonathan Majors and, and, and he had an interesting kind of hero turn in Loki I guess that's as the last kind of point I want to touch on with the MCU is is that dead? Is it finally over? Or is it going to be the Young Avengers that get to re- be reassembled and have the team movies that we all really enjoy? Well, I think... So when it comes to King Dynasty, without being 100% sure what the initial plan was, because there is a series of books that are named that, and I can't say they're the same as what the movie idea was. The thing with King is that he's the easiest recastable character because of, of our different versions of people in different realities. So he's the easiest to recast. And I know I've said that before, but you can take Loki as a prime example. I mean, we have an alligator Loki. That's not a magic spell that turned frog, turned Thor into a frog and we got Throg. That's an alligator that is Loki because in that world they were alligators. So the idea of another person cast as King is pretty easy. Do I think that's exactly what they were planning on initially? I kind of do, yeah. I mean, the Young Avengers thing would definitely lead to that. And as a circle, I could see that still being a possibility. Whether we get King as Jonathan as a main part of it, I think it's really going to be determined by whether or not he winds up getting jail time for whatever it is that happened in Florida, I guess. Okay. okay. I, don't remember, I don't remember where that happened, but that's, I think that's the big swing on whether anything moves forward or not. It's more a matter of whether Jonathan gets a year in prison, whereas Ezra Miller got slapped on the wrist and sent to rehab, or whether Mr. Majors manages to, to work, work a way out of that with rehab or with community service or whatever it is. And because of the amount of... And the two things next to each other look so ridiculous, really. I mean, if you look at the Ezra Miller charges, okay, so let's just go with ones that we believe are true. Yeah. So he started a cult. So he was grooming this girl. So he broke into a house. Um, now, a few of those could be framed slightly different. I mean, again, I don't know if he's getting money from the cult people or not. And maybe it was just a bunch of fans that were like, we're a group. Cool. But the fight in the bar happened. There's a video of it. The chair throwing also at a bar happened. The slapping the reporter happened at least once, maybe twice. Now, maybe the first one told him to do it, which still seems like a questionable thing. But nevertheless, there's a video of it happening. So, okay. And all those things stacked together in a circle, even if the cult thing isn't really real or isn't the way it's been framed, depending on what you're reading. And if the break-in was really when he picked up the girl and he went in the house with her and it's, you know, took her clothes. I... You know, without more concrete stuff about that, 
it's it's hard exactly to say exactly how mounting it is, but when you look at it in a general scenario, the two people's accusations against them are stacked very differently. And if the way it goes for Jonathan is the opposite direction as they went for, for Ezra, well, I mean, that, that puts jail time on the plate. And even if the truth of the matter is that with the shutdown of Hollywood and the strikes, that they wouldn't be in the process of trying to do anything with him anyway until after his jail sentence was over, it depends on how public the jail sentence winds up being. I mean, you've seen the new Aquaman trailers, right? Yeah. And how much mirror is in those Aquaman trailers? <laughs> I saw one shot. I saw it was so it was the family thing, and all I saw was her red hair. That was it. Right. So she has original trailer. Where, I mean, it wasn't long anyway, but original trailer had more scenes with her. But it wasn't it wasn't a full trailer anyway. It was like a teaser, and not even maybe maybe a minute and a half at the most. Whereas the new trailers that are actually trailer trailers. Yeah. Well, we've got a lot of Orm in there. Sure do. And I, I can't say that Orm wasn't part of the original movie, but I would almost say that it's a team of movie between him and his brother, and the mirror has, ooh, well, very little that's nothing to do with it. Looks like it. Now, I'm sure she'll be in there, because, I mean, there's got to be some parts they couldn't replace him with her. Got to be. I mean, apparently she's the mother of his child, right? I, that's what I heard. That's what I saw well, established. That was a nice little nuclear family unit kind of right there. Yeah. Well, and that's how the comic books work, too. But that's all relegation of her being removed because of the lawsuits with Giant Depp and because of how public it wound up being and how long it wound up taking. And at the end of the day, she wound up losing. So had she won, would it have gone differently? Yeah. I mean, maybe. I think that's... But, you know, Steve, I think it's kind of hard to quantify how canceled somebody gets. Um, it is truly a, a great pop culture reference uh, kind of here. And being on the radio and talking Taylor Swift all the time, you can't really ignore it. But... So, uh, Taylor Swift's dating a very famous football player named Travis Kelsey, and as the Taylor Swift fan base does, they vet that person, whoever it is, thoroughly online. So, if they have a big social media presence or if they have a small one, they still find every tweet from 2015 to whenever you were a child and didn't really understand social norms. So they found bad tweets from Travis Kelsey, right? Some of the, what they would call problematic ones that you know weren't all that big. But at the same time, man, um, this is the kind of nature, like the, the zero to 60 moment you're talking about, I think you're getting at, especially kind of like slanted towards Marvel and DC and comic book and actor, comic book movies and actors in general, right? There is a different set of standards completely. And you've just nailed it with what happened to Amber Heard, what happened to Ezra Miller, and whatever will happen to uh, Jonathan Majors. There's other, uh, you know, the Bat, the Bat Woman movie, all of that, and I don't even know if it was canceled. Those things are head-scratchers, absolutely, for sure, but I think I think what, I, if I were to venture an opinion, it as everything kind of does, it comes back to money, and with the Flash movie, Ezra Miller was just way too integral, not only to where the franchise was going before they kind of cut the cord, what what Zack Snyder had already established and that toxic fan base had done. So it's almost like Warner Brothers was just holding on as soon as they could, you know, kick the door open, pull the parachute and watch that plane hit the side of the mountain and explode in a puff of smoke. They're good, right? Which is kind of what they're doing now. A um, little bit less with Aquaman because, you know, Aquaman has stood on its own a little bit, much like Wonder Woman did. 
and they are like, okay, it's a movie. It's going to make us money. People are going to come out to see it. We'll put it out there. We don't have any plans, but that's a whole mess anyway. But the fact of the matter is that and the insulation that that type of money and that type of uh, like power you wield as far as decision-making goes, I think protects you to a certain degree. Because you established already, Marvel has established some very kind of you know, big guidelines. And no matter what they are, if you're on the opposite side of those guidelines, you're kind of taken out. Uh, Gina Carano is one of those. There's probably a few others that I'm missing. Uh, Evangeline Lilly, I remember, was one of those mm-hmm. as far as the COVID vaccine went. And it was a company line that the company players towed. And when you're past that line, I, I don't know. But see, this is my this is my my big question about it. And you mentioned it. Is Jonathan Majors too integral? to whatever's happening with Disney right now, whatever's happening in the MCU, because I think he would have already been canned if he wasn't. Do you agree? No, only because only because um, them jumping ship has happened so quickly with other things. I can't say this is exactly the truth. Like, when it comes to Jonathan, like, like I was saying, as far as the, the part of King being redistributed into another actor... For the just from the comic book basis of it, um, it's easy. Like we see, we saw so many other versions of him. Now, should they have sprinkled in a different version that had a different face in that Ant Man soliloquy? Yes, yes, they should have. Uh, did they know that was going to be a problem back then? No, no, they didn't. <laughs> um, not at all. Um, That's funny. Do I think it's, do I think it's the same thing? I, I don't. Mostly because. So with the Jonathan Majors, him being too integral, only because the realignment of that is something that's so easy to do because you just relegate it to time. I mean, it's a different version of King. Yep. Yeah. You know, you recast the actor, and as long as you put in a slight explanation on that, I don't care if it's got to be a room full of them standing there, and they're all just like, well, I guess it's your turn, and off he goes. You know, as far as a thing, I think you can get around that. Do I think King Dynasty is, is something they're wringing their hands about being done with? Uh, at least partially, yeah. I mean, at this point, it seems like there's been a batch of talks about other villains after or in replacement of. Now, does that mean we might get some weird abridged thing where we get a Doctor Doom that's actually King? I mean, maybe. Do I think that's a good choice? Well, I no, 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 I don't. <laughs> But I could see it being a bridge to get to another version of the character. And they they kind of allude to it at the end of Loki, and whether it's a line that was initially there or whether it's a line that was added, without spoiling things too terribly much, they make a mention of the king in our universe having a run-in with, with an Avenger that took care of it. And best we can tell, they're talking about Ant-Man. And from there, it makes a mention of the other kings not being aware of the as it was TVA, which all has to do with things that if you don't understand, you just you need to watch Loki, and that'll explain at least part of that. And was that the original plan for the ending of it? I don't know. It works pretty good. So, I mean, maybe. But I think the more the King Dynasty as a, as a central focus in general, if I was guessing, I would say the plan was always to lead to a Young Avengers and from what we've seen from Cap- from Captain Marvel 2 or from the Marvels, um, 
that seems to be at least the plan at some point. Now, whether that ever comes to fruition or not, also a good question. With Captain Marvel doing as poorly as it did money-wise, is it possible we see a full stop and they say, maybe we should do something else? I mean, it's possible. Did they put a lot of work into having all those characters around? I mean, like we've talked about it before on here. Yes. I mean, we have yes. five of them. So, yes. I mean, I see the easy answer, only not just because I think it's a good idea, but because I, I think it would make sense in your storytelling, is that this first unnamed Avenger movie that was supposed to be back when there wasn't a strike happening, I think, in two years? I don't quote me on that. I can't remember where it said in the line of movies coming out, but that's an entirely different thing now, too. Um, but but there was two different Avengers movies that were as yet unnamed, and a majority of us thought, well, one's got to be King Dynasty, just so we can deal with the King problem, and the other one would probably be Young Avengers. But I, I would propose that those are the same. And not, again, with the King Dynasty being a title and being a series of books, I do not think these two things are the same thing. I think it's going to be a use of a name that is a good title, uh, which you can align that to the, the idea of Civil War. Civil War is a great title. Was the movie Civil War the same as Civil War comics? Uh, no. Was it totally different? Not totally different, but different. The fun. better one would be Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War yeah. in the comics is Infinity Gauntlet, right? Right. So... Those two titles are very parallel different, but the story we got, it was not Infinity War at all. No. So, okay. But I think the same thing of King Dynasty. Could King Dynasty really actually be Young Avengers? I would say it'd be a better title, because Young Avengers is a title on a marquee. I don't think I don't think it would draw crowds the same way that any of the other titles would. I think Young Avengers, without having a clue what that is, I think would be a title that would not be get a movie. You don't... You don't think Avengers carries that? You don't think just the presence of the Avengers, just knowing it's an Avengers flick? Because I think everybody loves those build-ups, and of course those are the payoffs, those are the money shots. The Avengers, like Infinity War, Endgame, everybody I know wants to expect the same type of quality from whatever's coming. So, yeah, if it is Young Avengers, and you're right, it's hard not to think that that's the thing because of what they've set up, but essentially, though, with time... As you've mentioned, and and if the legal side of everything kind of works out with time, you could technically bring back Chris Evans as Captain America, sure. Robert Downey Jr. I mean, yeah, we we've discussed at length time and how it works in the MCU, and it's pretty wonky. So, I mean, whatever they want us to believe, they're going to try to make us believe with whatever they show us. I just think that uh, it <laughs> it's come a long way over a long period of time, and just like everything in life, Steve, it it can fall flat really quickly because of, I think, of our attention spans and the expectations we kind of put on the media and entertainment we consume. Oh, that's true. And as a thing, that's, that's definitely a, tr- a true thing. And actually, earlier, just earlier today, actually, I was talking to somebody about the, the, Captain, or the Marvel's movie, and the Marvel's movie just didn't have enough bang for him be willing to go to it in a theater and that when it comes out to streaming or whatever he said he'd probably watch it then but there's nothing that the movie made him believe was important enough for him to go to the theater to see it mm-hmm. and when it comes to pacing and stuff as far as their titling of things the most recent trailers the, the newest ones prior to movie dropping did say stuff like the world will never be the same and 
I will give you in one accolade. That's that's true. But in the grand scheme of the movie, was the whole movie about that? No. No, it's not. It is still a fun movie? Yes, it is still fun. If you like cat tentacle monsters, then it is glorious. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're great. Oh, man. How does it start with tentacles and it goes back to tentacles, man? You got to stop that, Steve. It's it's a giant circle. Yeah, yeah, it's a giant circle of tentacles. I thought it was a circle of life, (laughs) but apparently it's a circle of tentacles. That's not what The Lion King was about, man. But I'll give you a pass because, you know, we love you here on the uh, Men Who Look Bad in Spandex (laughs) podcast, my friend. You know, it's always fun to talk that because it's such a huge mover and shaker in the in the industry. All that stuff with DC coming out with the Creature Commandos. Did you see the cast? That was looking pretty pretty fantastic as well. Um, oh, yeah. The, the list is good. Yeah, Frank the Grillo. The casting recently yep. that I saw that wasn't trying not to bring it back to Marvel because they're trying to bridge. But the, <laughs> cast, the casting of, of Mr. Pascal, I just do not like it. No? Like I like I like him just fine. I think he's great. As Mando, he's great. As Maxwell Lord, he was great. As the guy from The Last of Us, he's great. I, in any of the stuff he did before, when he didn't matter, he was good at those parts too. Even when he was on the sitcoms, or the, sorry, the the soap operas. But you tell me he's going to play Reed Richards, and I say, hmm, I have a problem because he looks. It doesn't look believable to me. <laughs> it just doesn't look believable. Like the guy's a decent. He's a he's a great actor. He he's is. fantastic. Yeah. Pulls, pulls off the mask and he's Mando, and it's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing literally ever. Oh man, it was perfect. Yeah, hundred percent. Yep. And it's not a matter of him; it's a matter of you. You walk, you walk, Pedro, just from the look of him. Not if I didn't didn't know his name, nothing about him, just the man himself. In your room, and you say, with a bunch of other dudes, you say, hey, pick the one that is, uh, I don't know, the genetic scientist. That's the smartest man in the room. And I mean, he's not going to be in my first choices. Wait, wait, no, hold on, hold on. Pedro Pascal doesn't have a smart face. Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying that I, when I, when I look at that man, I believe a lot of things about him. I believe that this man can be the best bounty hunter in the world. Do you wait? I wait. also believe he can be a, a, a great, uh, influential businessman that is able to manipulate you into doing whatever it is that he you, he wants you but wait, to do. Do you believe? Do you believe he would shiv you in the prison commissary for your biscuit? Oh, 100%. Okay. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's it. All right. So not 100%. Right. Not uh, discussing the breakdown of the law of physics when you approach a you know, black hole. Right. You don't see him right. doing that. I just don't see that being a normal conversation coming out of his mouth. It would shock me. And I'm not saying that it's impossible. I, I would hate for people to take the wrong, wrong result from that. He's just in in a room full of casting. First, he doesn't look like the character. Robert Downey Jr. We got real lucky because they just look they look alike. Yeah, he looks exactly like Tony Stark. They do. He does. He just looks like him. John Krasinski also just looks like Reed Richards. He does. And he's shaped like an eraser. It's Reed Richards' head. So the look of the man has a lot to do with that. I mean, I have the same problem with Michael Chiklis. No oh, man, maybe not Chiklis. Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, okay. Michael B. Jordan. No, the kid. The kid that played the thing in the Fox, the last Fox. Oh, movie, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell there you was go. that guy's name. Thank you, Jamie Bell. Who also, decent actor. The decent. kid's good. Very or decent. guy, kid, yeah. guy, whatever. The man right. is good. But you tell me that he is going to turn into Ben Grimm, and I say, the baseball player? He's going to be the, this is the guy that's supposed to be the uh, the the, eh. the hard hitter next to Reed Richards when you stand him next to 
He's shorter. Pictures in that movie. Shorter than that guy's name. Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Shorter you than. Stand him. those two next to each other. You tell me that he's the bruiser of the group. Right. Absolutely not. No, I'd, I'd go with Michael B. Jordan, man. That dude's in shape wherever and any. <laughs> no, no, that's that's true. I mean, Killmonger or Creed or anything. That, Michael B. Jordan is fantastic, and he plays Johnny Storm just fine. The problem with that movie wasn't necessarily the casting, the people that were in the movie. It was the relegation of how Doctor Doom didn't make any sense. And the delivery of the thing made no sense. Because if the two of them are supposed to be Reed Richards and the thing, you put them next to each other, and, I, and you would never pick the smaller guy first. Second, this, the guy who looks, looks more like he'd be, I don't know, he'd be, he wouldn't be the one you pick to take to a fight. If you're, it was, what is it when you pick teams in high school or middle you school and play, high school? You wouldn't pick Pedro? You don't pick Pedro Pascal for shirts and skins? You don't... Oh no! For for Pedro, different different thing. Oh. And as far as shape in the world, but it, with, with the casting of the things with that Fantastic Four movie, it, the Jamie Bell doesn't fit the mold of what uh, Ben Grimm is supposed to be. Uh, aesthetically, yeah, aesthetically, there there should be, I think, a little bit of respect paid. I I do agree, but that movie um, took some liberties, and I don't want to say they're bad liberties, but. The liberties that they did they did take were the ones that kind of put that film off on the wrong foot right away. And then just the simple messiness of it and the, the lack of a really distinct idea of what Doctor Doom was and kind of what the Fantastic right. Four were about. So there was a lot of problems with that movie. But just, yeah, absolutely. There's an aesthetic, I think, that a lot of people expect and when that aesthetic is met as far as expectations go it, it feels a lot smoother in their acceptance of whatever they're watching or you know consuming well sure and i'm not saying that the man can't play a scientist because I'm, you know I'm, that's not what i'm saying <laughs> yes. i'm just saying that reed richard's power is being smart and then stretching being smart being his first thing and i don't think that pedro is not a smart man that's not what i'm saying at all i'm just saying the packaging of what reed richard is Pedro Pascal doesn't fit that mold. Sure. Pedro felt a million other characters. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Sure. And again, yeah. like everything he's played so far, and everything I'm sure he'll play in the future, he'll do just fine. Now, is this a possibility yeah. that when we shake out the cloth and we see him in the makeup or whatever, that it's a uh, Heath Ledger scenario where when they said Heath Ledger, I said the guy from the Ten Things I Hate About You, <laughs> and I said, "Good job, suckers." And then it turns out, and then yeah, he puts him. Turns the... out the truth is that the man. Transforms into something entirely different. Put it in, yeah. Put one of the most iconic uh, performances, not only in a comic book movie, but uh, yeah, movie period. As a, movie as in a general, villain. yeah. I yeah. mean, is it possible that the same thing comes from Pedro playing the part of a one Mister Reed Richards? Well, I don't think Reed's that strong of a character in general. So no, I'm going to say no. He's he's but, yeah, he's not. He's a bendy. He's a rubber band. Uh, you know, his intellect right. is really his superpower, which I can I agree with you that you're not going to discuss unified field theory maybe with pedro pascal over a cup of steaming hot coffee um but again it, it's a it's dumb that they don't make it krasinski it's dumb you know and even yeah, even yeah, the variants like that. even the variants like it doesn't matter because we've already like you said you established variants look like each other jonathan majors in the end of that and then the multiverse of madness it doesn't it, it doesn't like not line up, you know, to not not to use double negatives there, but it it doesn't make it any less congruent if you're saying no, you know, Krasinski's a variant or whatever, and another section of the multiverse. Anyway, 
it's 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 just a mess. I think untangled. I guess it's gonna be fun when the DC uh, thing gets uh, rolling, so we can kind of see and, and compare. Oh yeah, yeah. It'll no, be, no. like it'll you be were saying fun. about the cast and the DC for the yeah. names of the uh, yeah. the creature commandos. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think all those are decent, and I like that idea. That I mean, I, I guess we'll see when it comes to action ability once we get to any live action appearances if the cast can run true with the names. Because, I mean, that was what Gunn's initial like statement was about it, that whoever he cast to play the parts of the animated characters were indeed supposedly supposed to play them in live action whenever that happened, if it did happen indeed. And I think Frankenstein, it just in general, that character is great. No, so, if you've never read Frankenstein, you really should. Creature Commandos, he, he was Justice League Dark as well. Uh, James Gunn doing James Gunn things, man. But it's a good little segue here to jump into the books, my friend. Uh, I did want to ask you if you do. You don't play a lot of video games, do you, Steve? Uh, not like I used to. No. Did you uh, at all get a chance to look at uh, Suicide Squad: Kill the Justice League, the Rocksteady game coming out uh, in like I think maybe a week less? They've putting out some promo comics with it as far as an origin story and kind of a setup for what you'd see in the video game. So I was just wondering if that was something that Top 5 was going to do. Well, I've, I've, seen, uh, I've seen a fair amount of trailers for it, and there's a batch of like uh, alternate skin costumes that started showing up in a batch of different uh, posts on the uh, Internet that uh, all look glorious. So, I, I mean, at some point I'll probably play it, but uh, I just don't play games like I used to. And I do like the idea of... This uh, Suicide Squad hunting down the Justice League members because of whatever's transpired. So I think that'll be neat. It's great, great and, story. Absolutely. Uh, oh. I'm excited that it's uh, once again the people behind Arkham Asylum putting the uh, mechanics together. So I just wanted to give it a big shout out to it and said if you're out there listening, I would definitely stop by Top Five Comics to get that because if you're wondering what's going on with any of that. Um, you're going to play a great video game that's been on the burner for a long time. And I think that if you've ever played the Arkham series with the Batman one, that's legitimately how anything and everything should ever be when it comes to a superhero video game. So hopefully, you know, Justice League, uh, Kill the Justice League will live up to that, my man. But uh, as far as books go, as we like to end up and wrap up our podcast here every time with the men who look bad in spandex, uh, Speaking of the Justice League, I saw a, a book that really caught my eye, and I wanted to ask you about it. It's Batman uh, in Other Galaxies. I don't know if that is the name of the book, but it's putting Batman like in space. And this has been such a fantastic thing, because Batman is the street-level hero, so he doesn't do those things. He's always, I've got Gotham, and I'm going to stay in the shadows. Seeing him do this, though, I was like, what is this? And i got to get Steve to put it in my pile, man. What Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, uh, yeah. So there's a book. That the titling of it is Batman Offworld. Um, it's a six-part miniseries uh, being uh, written by Jason Aaron. And uh, Doug Mankey is the guy drawing the, the main interiors of the book. There's multiple covers, of course, because that's how the world works. Uh, but it's Aaron and, and Mankey doing it. And the setup for the book is, yeah, it's, it's basically Batman um, out in space. That's, that's you know, so cool, you know, man. Dealing with other space problems. Like, the first issue came out, um, oh gosh, I think it was just before Thanksgiving, so it was uh, maybe two weeks ago now, a week and a half ago. Time in the world, it was before Thanksgiving, so it had not been that terribly long. Uh, the second one is supposed to be coming out 
in the middle of December, so I think the 20th, 19th or the 20th, it's one of those two days. Uh-huh. Um, so we're getting close to the second one's release. Nice. Yeah, it's got a, batch of, a whole batch of other characters, a whole batch of different things going on. Um, but yeah, like you said, Batman, <laughs> generally speaking, doesn't deal with uh, extraterrestrial weirdness. Uh, but that is, I mean, that's definitely what we have going on. I mean, it's logical. Take him to space. I I just like the idea of the training of Batman, that whole character, uh, against whatever the you know the great unknown. Because Batman's obviously a preparer, and everybody always says you know Batman beats anybody with ever however many minutes or days or of preparation in space. Hmm. I love the question it poses to me as I as a huge and massive fan of Batman. Going, what, what's he gonna do? I remember. Uh, I can't remember what it was. This was recent, though. There was an Iron Man run where Tony Stark was in space. He wasn't really dealing with anything uh, terrestrial whatsoever, and it was fantastic. It showed him not only be a playboy with, um, you know, alien species, but it showed him, you know, learning the limitations of what it meant to be a human out there and, of course, his equipment at the same time. And I love to see the character that I know uh, and and love uh, in that in that situation, so yeah, will you put that one in my stack for me, bro? Uh, I will, my man. Well, yeah, the setup for it. I mean, so Batman's been forced to make a decision that leads him to the cosmos, and uh, in the process of that, leads him to a. Uh, it's a it's 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 a prison, but it's like a. The, the, it's called War Warstorm is the name of it, and he winds up in this basically space prison, which is like a ship. It's a giant ship full of you know killers and criminals and whatnot. And now Batman's there, and you know it wants yes. to be in a yes. area where we got to put him at his uh, put him, yes. put him his limits to see how he can do it. Yes. Okay, I'm very excited <laughs> now. I'm very excited now. Also excited to hear about how uh, the Void uh, Void Rivals, Robert Kirkman's uh, latest uh, thing from uh, what is he? It's Skybound, right? Skybound and Hasbro. They are the ones who print it, but they're now kind of merging. So it was kind of cool because Void Rivals played that card close to the vest, being part of the Energon universe. And now, G.I. Joe, the Transformers, the Void Rivals, is it true? Are they going to all come together in a big crossover book, or is it just going to be like more of an establishment of whatever this new Energon universe is? Well, that's still what's going on right now. Like we, We're getting ready to have... Um, oh, gosh, it's, it's still a few weeks away, but we're getting ready to have uh, Duke number one come out, and then we're going to have a Cobra Commander number one come out. Ooh. Um, they've already had... Real American Hero number 301 came out last week. Um, but Real American Hero, at least at least the way it is right this second. Now, will that change? I mean, it's possible, I guess. I don't think it will. But I've been wrong about things before, you know. Okay. Both about Hawkeye being a scroll. But, you know, whatever. Uh, but 301, <laughs> so the Real American Hero line, what that is, when Marvel was doing the comic books back in the, uh, back in the 80s, the tiling was Real American, G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. And Marvel had it for 150 issues from memory. And then the series ended because Hasbro was taking the property someplace else and Marvel wasn't moving forward. And part of that probably had to do with Chapter 11, but that doesn't necessarily matter. Uh, and then the property moved around for a few other companies. Image had it for a minute, and then it went to Devil's Due for a while. Uh, then it landed at IDW. And while it was at IDW, IDW decided to relaunch the Real American Hero run uh, with the same writer from the G.I. Joe Marvel run, uh, Mr. Larry Hama, 
and they picked up his story at next issue being 151, and then they ran it there for 150 issues to get number 300 uh, before the contract again you know, changed hands. Um, and now we're at number 301, which is the first issue from the new Skybound Image um, Hasbro line of stuff. Oh, okay. And it, it is also still being written by Larry Hama. Okay. And granted, there's a, there's a secondary writer along with him, but as I was saying, I don't know, when it comes to who's in charge of that, uh, I mean, Larry started the first series you know, back in the 80s, and now here we are 301 issues later, two companies later, and the series is still running from the original run of books. Now, will that lead that to being part of the Energon universe? Uh, you know, my brain says no. Okay. But that's interesting. Interesting that's indeed. Just because of where it came from. Does it mean no? Uh, the first issue, I can tell you from having read the first issue, nothing the first issue aligns it to be part of the Energon universe. Oh. Does that mean it'll stay that way? Um, no, it doesn't. I mean, as far as things, it, it's easy that the next couple issues may introduce that idea into there. Mm-hmm. But at least from the first issue, there's nothing that I saw in the issue that tells me that it's part of the same storyline. Um, and Transformers has started over at, at Image Skybound also, and it's actually got issue three coming out, gosh, next week, actually. Issue three comes out next week. Wow. Um, so it's, it's moving right along. Nice. And as far as stories... Also, we haven't really seen any bridge there, but it's still the early days of the books happening. So, I mean, it, it's a good possibility we get to issue five, and all of a sudden we start lining stuff up together. Um, but that hasn't happened yet. Is that the plan? Well, from what we've been told, yes. I think more likely the Duke and the Cover Commander miniseries is, will open up in the process of that already being a thing, is what I think. Now, none of the write-ups actually say that, but again, uh, the original write-up for Void Rivals, there was no, like, mention of Transformer anymore. None. None whatsoever. No. So, when it comes to the uh, movement forward on these uh, two miniseries, I think it's a good possibility that that's what the truth is, that the truth is to, you know, make this the starting point of where that starts to connect. But being that we're doing one with Duke... And then doing the other one with Cobra Commander, it's like opposite sides of the same scenario, right? Right. And uh, at least from what the information about the book says right now, the miniseries for Duke is in the, is, is in the Energon universe. How much that will play into the story, I mean, like I said, I don't know yet. The write-ups don't give enough to be like, this is what this means. Okay. okay. When it comes to writers... The guy writing the Duke book is uh, Joshua Williamson, and he's he's good. Like he's he's good. The same guy wrote Birthright, and he wrote The Flash for a long time. He wrote a book called Nailbiter. So like the guy's got a whole avenue of different things that are good. Um, so when it comes to series, he wrote Batman for a second too, like regular Batman. Oh, cool. So it'll be interesting to see what this uh, story for Duke has in in tail, but. The way I understand it, it is part of the Energon universe as far as the story is concerned. Cobra Commander, I believe, is the same thing, but I, I don't really remember the write-up for Cobra Commander that good. Um, so well, it, would, it wouldn't make sense if it wasn't, though. Like, if Duke is, the Cobra Commander only makes sense if it is. Well, I, do, I, do, I appreciate the ploy because what they did with Void Rivals, Steve, certainly got me sucked in. I'm like, oh, wow, okay, and there's characters that I know and love, and I might gravitate to them, and I might even... 
uh, buy those books you're talking about because of its connection back to it. So I did appreciate the move, um, kind of the, the reveal and whatnot. So I thought it was, you know, it was a, a nice surprise because I thought to myself I can still be surprised, much like you were when you found out Hawkeye was a scroll. I know it was hard for everybody. It was hard for everybody, brother. Uh, it's also hard to stop talking to you, my man. But I got one last question about these books. Um, I know I've been super interested in the fall of the House of X. How has that been going on? Is there an end game in sight, or is that going to carry the next six months of X books into 2024? Your thoughts? Well, it is going to move forward. Uh, they're doing two different miniseries. One that is the uh, Rise of the Power of X, I believe is the correct title. And the other one is the, uh, oh gosh, Fall of the House of X. Right, right. And they're both miniseries. And so the first issues of those haven't even come out yet. Um, but because of the releasing of them, we're going to start at the end of the year and then move into the next year with it. I see. Uh, so shape-wise, when those two when those two series, the little mini, the mini series, end, I guess we'll have to see where things shake out after that. But as a result, because the whole of Fall Krakoa, we've got X Men have been scattered to different places. Emma 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 Frost is married to Tony Stark. Um, Nightcrawler's running around in his own Spider-Man costume. A version of Beast also has a Spider-Man costume. <laughs> um, so there's. There's all kinds of crazy things happening that are like realigning where these characters are. I mean, there's there's currently a miniseries called uh, Uncanny Spider-Man, and uh, Uncanny Spider-Man has to do with who's wearing the costume, and it it's been a really interesting story. And if you're a fan of the, of the Kurt Wagner, the Devil Tailed Blue Demon, then uh, it it's great. Yeah. Very interesting. He's neat stuff going on. He was, uh, for a long time, one of my favorites. I, I, Colossus, my all-time favorite X-Men man. But uh, if you want to read any of these wonderful things we talk about, just get yourself to Top 5 Comics. Steve's always there. Great for the holidays. Look, if you have a subscription, or if you're like, where do I get my stuff that you can uh, depend on, that you can know is going to be there, that you know will go get you something, definitely hit up Top 5 Comics. Uh, on Facebook, Top 5 Comics. Top 5 Comics CBS on Instagram. Right there off the corner of First and Orchard. My man Steve, we'll be talking soon before the uh, year comes up, though. But uh, it's good to reconnect after the holiday, my man. And I know there's so much fun stuff coming up. We'll get to it before, hopefully, 2023 uh, says goodbye to us, my man. But I'm going to say goodbye to you now, brother. Thank you so much, as mm-hmm. always. The men who look bad in spandex, you know, it's it's two, right? It's not man who looks bad in spandex. It's men. No, no. It's a, it's a duo, it's a, Yeah, a dynamic duo, even. Exactly. Uh, A gruesome twosome, my man. Appreciate you, brother. (laughs) Yeah, buddy.